Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox and I'd like to welcome you to the FCPA Compliance Report. In this episode, I visit with Stephen Lockchie. Stephen is a partner at Cadwallader, Wickersham, and Taft in the firm's New York office. And he and his team have developed a fabulous new resource called the Cadwallader Cabinet. The Cadwallader Cabinet is a one-stop shop for attorneys and regulators operating in the U.S. financial services sector. We talk about the creation of the Cadwallader Cabinet, what market need or opportunity did Stephen and his team see which fills it, what is in the Cadwallader Cabinet, and how you can uh, check it out with a link through to the Cadwallader Cabinet and a free trial. This really is a fabulous resource that you should definitely check out. Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox, back for another episode. And today we are going to talk to Stephen Lockchi. He is a partner at Kedwallader, Taft, and Wickersham. And he, his firm, and his team have created one of what I think is the top resources uh, or go-to shop stops for attorneys and regulators in the U.S. financial services and really beyond. It's called the Cabinet. So, Stephen, first of all, uh, uh, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. No, I, I appreciate your, uh, your, your getting the word out on, on the Cabinet. I think it really is a, a, a unique resource and uh, we put, you know, tremendous effort into building it. And, and uh you know, as I said, I appreciate you helping to get the word out about uh, the benefits it can provide. Uh, Steve and I came to uh, discover the cabinet. Uh, I got an unsolicited e- email. I checked you guys out. You put on a daily email uh, with some selected topics, and it's frankly one of the ones I look forward to the most because the topics are interesting, fascinating, and uh, frankly fun to, to read. So I was wondering if you might tell us sort of the genesis of the cabinet. Um, well, that would be a very long story. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we have enough time. But uh, you know, it started as actually a book, uh, a hardcover book on regulation, um, and then I, I was approached after the book was written to put the book online. I worked with a number of online, uh, you know, legal technology firms, including uh, I think Westlaw had the book up for a bit, uh, Walter Skluwer. Uh, and I just found it very frustrating to work with them and uh, felt that you know it was possible for lawyers and a law firm who were really committed to um, you know being client friendly and, and weren't just, hey, a publishing firm, we're just taking words on a page and uh, you know, putting them online, that we could really do something better. And in fact, as technology has become you know, easier to work with, um, I think it's become possible for a, a law firm to produce something that is, you know, really shows off, uh, is really helpful to clients in, in a way that a technology firm or a publishing firm you know, can't do. So, uh, as I said, we made the, the transition from, uh, from paper to going online uh, and from having lawyers be uh, just kind of objects of a technology firm to saying, hey, let's do the technology ourselves. 
the book you wrote really le leads or into my next series of questions. You are, are generally practicing the area of regulatory space, but I was wondering if you might be able to tell our listeners a little bit about your practice and uh, that of your practice group. Sure. So I began uh, uh, life, uh, or at least legal life, as a as an expert in uh, the regulation of investment banks or broker dealers, uh, and, and then gradually kind of built out from there to uh, regulation of investment advisors, uh, and then some exposure to the regulation of investment companies, and with the growth of derivatives into the Commodity Exchange Act. So the, the group that I, uh, you know, that I work in is a very diverse uh, group in terms of what we cover. All. You know, really all of financial regulation, whether it's banks, broker dealers, uh, CFTC registrants, and I, I think some of the approach that we take to the regulation is fairly, I, I wouldn't say unique, but certainly differentiating. Uh, just as my practice is very broad and isn't just broker-dealers, it covers a range of registrants. I think almost everyone in the group works that way. Um, and then I think another way in which the group you know, is different is that we're both regulatory and transactional lawyers. Um, and, and so that gives you, again, a different approach to practicing of law. It's not just what the rules are, but, hey, you got to get something done. Steve and I uh, do a lot of podcasts uh, around innovation, innovation compliance, and innovation in business process. And I'm always intrigued by someone like yourself or your greater team for the cabinet who would see a market need or a market opportunity and move to fill that with a product or service. Could you tell us how the cabinet uh, fulfills or fills rather a market need or a market opportunity that you guys saw? Well, I, I think the main thing is, and again, I really come at it, um, I'm going to say less as a businessman than as a practicing lawyer. So what I would say is it's less, okay, how, how many, uh, how much of a market need is there as opposed to as a practicing lawyer, um, you know, what is it that you need to work efficiently? And uh, the way the world is going a practicing lawyer needs to uh, look at many different regulators. You need to look at the SEC, and then you need to look at FINRA or the MSRB. And as you get, then you, you know, also the CFTC may have regulations. Um, so you're looking at numerous different regulators as far as how they handle a single product and to look at multiple sites to go to. Um, you know, this website of each of each regulator is tremendously time consuming and regulators don't really present materials in a way that is efficient for the lawyer. If you go to Google, they have lots of documents and you'll find, you know, a single document. But certainly Google is not in the business of presenting information that is you know, cohesive and organized for a lawyer. And, and frankly, neither are the big, you know, Le Lexus and Westlaw in that business. They have lots of documents presented in a relatively disorganized fashion. So what we're really trying to bring to this, which practicing lawyers and compliance people need is organization, curation, relating documents. 
And, and that's what we perceived as the lawyer compliance person demand. Stephen, the um, capabilities uh, in the cabinet are, are really extraordinarily powerful. And I was frankly stunned when I uh, got access and, and went through just to see some of the um, things that are available for the lawyer slash practitioner. And I was wondering if you might be able to um, uh, tell us a few of those uh, capabilities. Well, in, in a lot of ways, the most important thing is uh, curation and organization and metadata. So, um, you know, old time legal practitioners will be, for example, familiar with Westlaw and uh, the fact that Westlaw has a kind of keyword system. And, and the concept of the keyword system is actually a very useful one. Um, unfortunately, I think as a practical matter, uh, Westlaw really hasn't been able to keep it up. Um, you know, they've got too many documents. Their, their metadata system started too long ago for them to keep, to maintain it as a vibrant system of search. So what we do is that we merge, um, Kind of a metadata word search system with, uh, you know, what I'll say is kind of a Google word search system. So it's a very powerful system for finding what you're looking for. And then we present information in a different way. So rather than just pulling up individual documents, if you're searching for a concept uh, like swaps or broker dealer capital, we will put up everything on the screen. Like not just what, not just a single document, but we'll give you, you know, really everything about that topic in a very cohesive fashion. You've got things, but really beyond that. So you've got a calendar, you've got alerts, you've got regulation change trackers. Uh, you really uh, put information out there. But the other intriguing thing I found is your use of AI or deep learning. Could you talk a little bit about that? So that's, that's, an, that's an interesting uh, question. Um, I'm, I'm always of the view that, um, you know, a AI is somewhat oversold because much of what we're doing, uh, I would describe as uh, medium data rather than, rather than big data. So we've used machine learning to some extent in categorizing data um, but only to an extent. I don't the the size of the of the data pools and the documents that we're talking about, um, you know, is more in the medium range where I think machine learning is less efficient. So we use a lot of tools that we work somewhere between a combination of brute, you know, individual force of looking at at individual documents. Um, and machine learning, and then try to use machine learning to some extent as supplementary to that. But I think, you know, to a good extent in, in the legal world, machine learning, at least from a, for the, from a regulatory perspective, is somewhat more of a catchphrase, hey, we're doing this, than it is a reality. Um, so we have, we have lots of clever tools that we use to categorize documents not necessarily machine learning. Breadth and scope of the 
cabinet is also one of the things that really struck me. Uh, we, we mentioned some of the things such as statutes and regulations, but you've got in-depth uh, legal analysis. You have uh, uh, ongoing and current uh, case law and reporting of uh, recent decisions. You have uh, text of speeches by key regulators from the Securities and Exchange Commission and the Department of Justice. So I was wondering if you might give us a sense of the breadth and scope of the cabinet. Well, you know, again, this goes back to the question that you asked me before about market need. And I said, you know, it's not what the market needs. It's what lawyers and compliance people need to do their job. And, you know, statutes and rules are clearly insufficient. You, you really need to have everything that the regulators produce that is of interest to your topic. So, you know, unlike a, you know, a big technology firm, which is, you know, worried about, hey, we need to have the divorce laws in Iowa, we're not concerned with that. We're trying to serve people, the financial industry professionals, and what they need is everything relevant to their practice, whether it's statutes, rules, no action letters, speeches, where is the market going in terms of regulatory concern? When do the rules change? As you said, we have tools to track uh, rule changes and, and event changes. So within the, within the realm of financial regulation, really the idea is to have everything of any kind of materiality whatsoever um, and not to be distracted by things that are irrelevant to our clients and to the day-to-day doings of their job but to have a tool that can sit on people's desk and let them do their job in an efficient way. And part of that is within the scope of their job, they need to have everything that exists that is meaningful presented in an organized fashion. We've talked a a fair amount, at least in my mind, about federal regulation, but it's my understanding that the cabinet also includes rapidly uh, added enforcement actions, uh, relevant state laws. Would that be fair as well, Stephen? So um, enforcement actions we are covering in tremendous detail. So when when I first started as a a regulatory lawyer who uh, is primarily intent on on keeping his clients uh, out of enforcement, I I really focused entirely on a regulatory aspect of this. Um, As the cabinet grew, um, I came to realize more and more that, look, what what gives the regulations meaning is the enforcement actions to a good extent. Um, And so for the major regulators uh, in the financial space, the SEC, FINRA, uh, we really, we have all of the enforcement actions and we have them in a way, again, I think that is much more powerful uh, than you can find on either the regulators' websites or on any other private site in that we really try to organize them very specifically by what was the enforcement action about in terms of what was the violation, try to organize them by what type of entity the the enforcement action was brought against, by how much the fine was, by whether the enforcement action was against an individual or a corporation. We're trying to provide all kinds of ways to segment the enforcement data so that when a firm is in trouble, it kind of knows or has a call from a regulator, uh, it might 
be able to look at how much previous fines have been and specifically what they've been for. And, and similarly, on the state side, we're gradually growing our materials uh, in those areas that are significant to our, you know, to our, to our membership base. So I am uh, most generally an FCPA compliance practitioner. So I, of course, uh, data mine that side extensively, and it's just fabulous for the amount of resources. So if you're a FCPA or greater anti-corruption compliance practitioner, this resource really works for you. But that just scratches the surface because it allows you to take a look at not only what the Department of Justice is looking at, but the Securities and Exchange Commission and also a, a much broader remit of regulations. To my point of, it's very cross-regulatory. That no, nobody can just be satisfied with looking at one regulator. So you, you've got to look at everything all the regulators do. But no, that's uh, I could not have written that any better. Cross-regulatory. Um, thank you, uh, Stephen. Unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering if our listeners uh, wanted to check out the cabinet. How could they do so? Uh, we'll go to uh, www.findnodo.com. So it's three words, find, K, then no, K-N-O-W, and then do, D-O, dot com. Uh, you can uh, get a free subscription to the newsletter, and that will also direct you to uh, where you can take a look at the cabinet generally, or you can just shoot me an email uh, at stephen.lofchi at cwt.com. So thanks very much, Tom. Stephen, this has been a, a, a great uh, podcast for me, and I think our listeners are going to appreciate it. And I just want to, once again, on behalf of the entire compliance community, thank you guys, you, your team, and the firm for putting up this resource. It's one that I don't think is met by uh, certainly any other law firm and maybe not uh, anywhere else. So we're going to link to the uh, site and uh, the free offer in the show notes. So, Stephen, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks very much. Uh, glad to be back anytime you like. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. In the show notes, we will link to the Cadwallader Cabinet. And best of all, if you reference this show when you go into the Cabinet, you can get a two-week free trial. I can't emphasize enough what a fabulous resource this is something that uh, I check out. I definitely sign up for the newsletter and uh, then check out the cabinet because if you are in the financial services industry, if you're in the anti-corruption community, if you're in the AML, if you're in trade sanctions, this is a fabulous resource uh, for you and one that I think will become more significant going forward. I hope you'll join me again next week for another episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.